This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And I'm your other host, Melissa Moretti. Melissa, today we have Scott McKinnis, partner at Red Point Law on. And and we're going to preference and give everyone a heads up that if you are a commercial real estate landowner or you own a piece of residential land in a reporting body, which Scott will talk about, and you have not filed your transparency report that is due by November 30th, this is an episode you have to hear. So right now we're getting everyone a warning that if you if you have no idea what this is, you have to hear this episode because you have something you have to do on or before November 30th that could be very expensive if you don't. Yeah, super smart guy, super informative conversation and maybe a call to action. There'll be a, there'll be a lot of calls to action. The big news this week was I think we can look at it as a positive. The Bank of Canada came out and they announced a 50 basis point rate hike, right. which when I say we can look at it as a positive as people, I think we're thinking for 75. Yeah. So, you know, it's never positive when there's a rate hike, but in this case, it's probably not as much as maybe some people expected. Yeah. How's the residential market going right now? Because obviously the stress test is really challenging. And as these rate hikes continue to go up, that pushes up the stress test numbers. Mm-hmm. Are you guys busy? Always something happening, that's for sure. I think there's a lot of people out there looking for opportunities, which is, you know, on the sell side, not so great. On the buy side, I've got buyers who are using this time to to really get stuff done, right? So, yeah, I mean, it depends on your position. I I would say for the most part, people are hanging out. They're waiting and seeing what's happening. And and that's sort of uh, the now, general sentiment in now, the market. C- correct me if I'm wrong. So on the commercial side, we've we've always been okay because we haven't really had a lot of inventory. And that's kind of sort of somewhat maintained prices. Obviously, they've come right. off, but we're, we're not getting flooded. On the residential side, are people just saying, I don't have to sell, I'm not selling, and inventory levels are still pretty low? Or are you finding that people are coming out now where they're kind of like, oh, I have to sell? Right. Well, it depends on people's situations, right? I think there's a lot of people who they, you know, haven't had to sell and and now is not the best time to sell for a lot of people. So they just aren't. Yeah. Um, but there's still, you know, lots of people who have to sell, right? So got, how's inventory an levels? Kid. Are inventory levels high right now? Are they moderate? They're lower. Yeah, they're they're still fairly tight, right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's although you know it depends. It depends on the market. Depends what you're looking for. But um, there's not there's not a slew of people saying, "Hey, it's a great time to sell my property," right? There's yeah. Well, I think that was a lot of big fear everyone had too, just in the overall real estate market period. That if a lot of inventory does come to market, yeah. people did have to sell, and uh, obviously that hasn't happened on both sides. So things have kind of hung out, which is probably a saving grace for everyone in this province. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing days on market increase pretty significantly. And and that's, you know, maybe going to impact a lot of things going forward. But um, yeah, we're we're optimistic. Yeah. Well, I think there's always something going on, you know, people are getting divorced and whatever. 
the podcast last week. Yeah. And uh, and we actually had him do uh, had him on a video presentation for William Wright Commercial for all our offices talking about the overall market conditions. Right. And one thing he stresses is the immigration is enormous. Yeah. And a lot of immigration is going to end up here in BC. Mm-hmm. So regardless to kind of where we're at, we have supply and demand issues for the foreseeable future for years, probably outlive us. With added immigration numbers coming in, demand is still going to maintain very, very high, regardless to how things are selling right now. Fast forward a year, things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If George McDonald says it, we know it's right. <laughs> All right, guys, without further ado, let's get to our podcast today with Scott McKinnis, partner at Red Point Law, talking all about the Land Owners Transparency Act and the documents you have to file. Enjoy, right. guys. Let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's Impact Commercial. All right, so we're here with Scott McKinnis, partner from Red Point Law. Scott, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Before we get into this here, can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, I'm a partner at Red Point Law, as you just said. Uh, we're a relatively new firm. We just passed our first year in operation. So uh, we do lots of real estate and um, business law. So um, my two partners are Tim Lack and Falco Wong. Uh, we have another associate uh, with us, um, Paul, and then an articling student, Jerry. And I don't know, maybe we got 10 staff. We're in the Marine Building downtown. And uh, yeah. So far, so good then. Yeah, so it, it's been a, it's been a great year. Yeah. So one reason why we wanted to have you on today is there's a there's a piece of legislation, the Landowners Transparency Act, which was I believe brought forward that is going to force commercial landowners to actually file certain documents, probably disclosing information to the to the to the government. These documents have to be filed on or before November 30th of this year. Can you maybe walk us through this? Because a lot of people who are investors might have commercial strata lots or they might have even inherited commercial property that may or may not be aware of what has to happen if you're a commercial landowner in BC. Can you maybe just sort of shed a little bit of light on what this is? And from my understanding, this is sort of one of the final pieces of stuff that's sort of come into play. Right. So it's a big topic. Um, You know, this goes back maybe uh, six or seven years where there were some reports that came out that really shone BC in a bad light when it came to money laundering. Uh, it had a lot to do with land, but there were other aspects, you know, uh, there was casinos, um, but, but really the big bulk of it was uh, land dealings. And I think they said something like $6 billion or something like that was getting funneled through and uh, dirty money getting laundered through real estate. So really this Landowner Transparency Act can be seen as the last kind of step in BC kind of clamping down on looking at who's really buying land. So, um, you know, the first step, uh, it was, I think it was 2018 around September, they unveiled the new property transfer tax form and they said, okay, moving forward, 
every transfer of land on the property transfer tax, you have to put, um, you have to identify the corporate interest holders is the term that the legislation used, as well as the directors and officers of a company. So at that time, anyone who had uh, 25% or more of either the voting shares or the total shares of a company had to be identified on the property transfer tax return. So um, you had to put the uh, SIN number, birthday, address, uh, everything about anyone who was defined as a corporate interest holder. So that came in 2018. They also unveiled the uh, transparency register where uh, if you have a company, you have to store a document uh, that has, uh, I think it's the same percentage, like 25% of the direct or indirect control or ownership of a, a company's shares. Same information, relatively the same as uh, required for that document. I don't think the SIN number is required on that side, but um, anyway, that came in. I think you had to have that in effect by 2020. And then the Landowner uh, Transparency Act came in. It was it was December 1st, 2020. They said, okay, every transfer moving forward has to contain what's called a transparency declaration. And that's a one-page document. And it says, okay, this purchaser, are you guys what's called a reporting body? And that's the term that the legislation uses. So it's not just that commercial property owners have to disclose uh, a transparency report. It's only if you're a reporting body. Now, by definition, if you're a corporation, uh, you're pretty much a reporting body. So many investors, uh, owners that own land in a corporation, you're basically a reporting body. But if you acquired that land from, you know, after December 1, 2020, you've already filed one. So it's really this new deadline is just if you own land prior to December 1, 2020, which is a lot of people out there. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of filings done uh, over the next month and a half. Uh, their original deadline was last year, November 2020. And, uh, you know, it quickly became seen the lead up to that, that it was not feasible, that there's a lot of landowners there that didn't know about it, you know. So BC government's been pumping it out that says, hey, you got to file this report because um, the penalties are substantial. It's like, you know, $50,000 or uh, not more than 50 grand or 15% of the assessed value if you don't, um, if you don't file. So um, that, that's a more of a bit of a history of how we got here. Um, who really needs to file, like I say, is a corporation, a BC corporation, or someone uh, that's holding uh, a property in trust, whether that's a person or a company. So nominees will need to file. Um, and there's, there's a lot of rules around who are the interest holders. So um, that, that's kind of the bare bones of how we got here and what needs to happen and who needs to file. Um, so let's, so let's, yeah. so, so for our listeners sake here, so, so I mean, Melissa bought a strata lot, let's say she bought a commercial strata lot in 2019. She's sitting on the investment property right now. She's not sure what this is. What is she to do? Like, would she receive notice? Is would we would landowners receive notice of this? Because I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of people out there that own commercial real estate that all bought prior to 2020 that may not even realize that this has to be done. Can you maybe walk us through? I mean, what would what steps would Melissa take if she realizes now after she hears this podcast that she's like, oh my gosh, I have to file some documents by November 30th. What would she do? Who would she call? How would that process look? So the the only way to file this report is through a notary or a lawyer. And, you know, I've had clients that 
are frustrated by that. You know, they're sophisticated, you know, investors or landowners and they like, look, I, I understand what I need to do. I, I shouldn't have to go to you and, you know, pay a fee to file it with you, but it really needs to get filed through the landowner, sorry, the um, land titles office. So anyone who has an account with the land titles, which is notaries or lawyers has to put in the raw information on the website. And then it, the website generates a PDF of the report. So you cannot create this document on your own and like mail it to land titles. It has to go uh, through a lawyer and notary. So, and, and to the other point of that question, it's, it's not just if she owns commercial real estate prior to 2019, it could be residential real estate. It's whether she, uh, she is a reporting body. So if she owns it personally for her own use, um, then there's no need to file it. Um, if she holds it in trust for anyone else, like a hold co or something like that, but she's personally on title, she will need to file. Or if she owns it in a corporate, owns it in a corporation, she'll need to file. So, uh, if she's on personally, she doesn't need to file if it's, uh, not held in trust. So let, let's say, for example, let's say, for example, I, I have a principal residence and I, I've bought another house. I bought my neighbor. And it's held in my personal name as an investment property. I'm not required to file. But let's say I have that in a hold co, it being residential property, I'm required to file this same document. Right, exactly. So any company that even owns it for its own benefit, right, uh, it has to file. If it's a person that is on title and they own the beneficial ownership, whether it's investment property, home, doesn't matter, they do not need to file because the whole intent behind it is to see who the real owner is, right? So if the real beneficial owner matches who's on title, you don't need to file. But whether that's company, even if the company owns it, you still got to look through and see who the shareholders are. Well, that, that leads us to our next question was, what is the purpose of this document and what is the government trying to figure out? So the purpose is they're going to try to pierce through a corporation and find out who owns these shares and who those individuals are. That's the goal of the program. Yeah, exactly. So like I say, it started kind of in response to all this money laundering, um, uh, concerns and was 2016 or 2017. But, um, I think, and you and I've spoke about this, you know, prior, but I think it's really another piece of the, um, first step to make, the transfer of a beneficial ownership uh, of uh, property taxable. So let's say, um, yeah, and you see this all the time in commercial real estate, especially the more expensive pieces where they're, you know, 30, 50 million, uh, even more, where the landowner holds shares of a nominee and rather than um, sell the title, they sell the trust. Uh, So no title uh, changes hands, but there becomes a new owner. And the BC government's missing out on capturing all of that property transfer tax. Like, I think if you transferred uh, property, let's say worth a million dollars, I think the PTT is like five million or something like that. And they're just not getting that revenue. So, you know, by creating this registry, theoretically, they would have all the tools to look and see that, you know, who's recording this on their property transfer tax return does it match the the landowner um transparency register and and i think a big open question at least in my mind is how are all of these agencies with all this information gonna you know set up lines of communication like is the cra going to be able to just call this provincial registry and ask them for confirmation likewise you know vice versa 
now we have all these kind of tools that are dispersed, right? There's the um, transparency register in the company book. There's the filing of the property transfer tax. Now there's the landowner transparency report. One other piece I didn't mention is that on December 1st, 2020, anytime a client brings in money for to complete a transaction, they have to identify to the lawyer or notary the source of funds that that money comes from. And most often, you know, clients say, oh, it's investment income or, uh, you know, say personal savings, employment income. And us lawyers, we write down that uh, information in our books, um, you know, it, to the extent that lawyers have to fact check behind that information. And uh, certainly that's not in my practice, nor any other lawyer's practice I know. But um, just, just getting the, the main point is there's all of these different kind of sources of information that are getting put in to, to, to address the concerns of money laundering. And I think it's an open question on how they're going to communicate. But like I said, that, that secondary piece on, on tra- um, taxing the transfer of beneficial land on, um, uh, you know, I think, I think that's coming. So they have all the raw materials to make that happen, I think. So ideally that's what they're working towards here. Because if I sell a property, let's say I sell it for 2.6 million, Property transfer tax on that is $50,000, which goes to the province. I sell the shares of my holding co or my beneficiary company that's a trust on title to Melissa. The title has not changed hands because Melissa's bought the shares of that company. Thus, she avoids having to pay the $50,000 property transfer tax. This document or documents is working towards kind of trying to tighten that loophole. So even in the change of control of a company on title, property transfer tax would then be due between the parties. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, let's say, let's say you sell that trust, right. And then you record that in your uh, tax returns, the purchaser, Melissa records it in her, um, uh, she files the landowner transparency registry, but no no title changes hands when maybe she goes to sell it one day um, and then records in her tax return return theoretically there's enough linkages between all these documents where the the government could step in and say hey that that was a taxable event back then you know you owe a property transfer tax for that uh that transfer now is there anything from a federal level like obviously that's being done more on the provincial level there is there anything from a federal level like the cra like you know, i know you were trying to figure out i mean who can access this material and we have justin trudeau on the show next week so we can ask him directly what's what's happening um, <laughs> Justin hasn't returned any of our phone calls. Um, so, but ideally that's what it is, is, is gives the government, the, you know, a better understanding. Cause obviously, you know, real estate is a very, very expensive proposition in this province and across Canada. It gives everyone kind of a better understanding for those who are potentially trying to cheat the system. This is their way of tightening those, those loopholes or trying to figure out who owns what. Right. So I, I don't envision any other um, systems going in place at the federal level just because property is regulated between provinces. And so, you know, I wouldn't couldn't tell you the first thing about how to do a land transaction in Alberta. Um, I do know um, there are some other provinces that are coming out with their system, uh, these landowner transparency systems. But just in terms of the government, uh, what's their access to these systems? Like I say, I don't know. I do know that the transparency register that's supposed to be stored in a company's uh, minute book, there's a whole list of agencies, government agencies that could walk in and upon identifying themselves have to be granted access to those documents. Now, that's subject to each company you know, putting in what the hours of inspection is. I think you have to have it available from 
eight to four or nine to four or something like reasonable business hours. So, um, but like the RCMP can, CRA can, uh, border services can, uh, I think the people from the FinTrack agency can, there's like, I don't know, 12 agencies that could basically walk in at any time and ask to see that register. And if you don't have that register, uh, it's an offense. So I do know the only other piece of the corporate, you know, uh, structure in this framework is that if you have a federal company, there's a similar requirement to the BC's uh, transparency register. It has a lot of the same uh, stuff that needs to be listed and the same tests. But I think I was reading under under the Canadian, the federal uh, company or BC, um, sorry, the Federal Corporations Act. It's like an offense of not more than two hundred thousand or uh, six months in jail if you have a misleading or um, uh, misleading transparency register, or if you're a shareholder and you uh, you refuse to provide the relevant information for the company to actually uh, fill out their transparency register. Okay, so we know in in the residential world, real estate, we've got um, we have to fill out the FinTrack forms for to disclose information to prevent money laundering, essentially, right? Is this something that is relevant here for for these types of disclosures? Um, so those FinTrack, the, the entire FinTrack regime, I'm not like totally versed on. And the, and the reason I'm not versed on it is because when they first came out with it, they made lawyers, uh, they tried to include lawyers in that regime. And there was a, um, uh, I can't remember the Supreme Court of Canada case, but anyway, it got challenged. And what they found was that, you know, it, it violated, um, I think it was sec- some sections of the charter so that. Um, you know, cause there's a tug of war, right? When you go and see a lawyer, you expect that you, uh, you know, all your information is confidential. You know, the, the rules around breaching that, uh, confidentiality are very, very narrow. Uh, it's been some time since I've had to really think about these, but it's like, if someone's in immediate danger or, or like, it's a very, very, very high bar that would compel lawyers to breach, uh, uh, their solicitor client obligations. Like one's like a crime fraud exception where, you know, if you're party to a crime by doing uh, so, but anyway, they're, they're very narrow. And, and so FinTrack was removed uh, from that. So the law society took over on the regulation of lawyers with respect to money laundering. And that's why you've seen all these changes to property transfer tax, uh, you know, landowner transparency, the transparency register. That's basically the law society dealing with our own money laundering. So, or sorry, like dealing with it internally, not letting an external organization take control of it. And, um, you know, cause, cause lawyers and notaries, we, are, we have a huge role to play in that, in the, um, the entire real estate market. So like the Cullen report that came out some months ago, I think there was a couple hundred pages about lawyers and notaries specifically, cause, um, you know, we do sit, play such a vital role in being the gatekeeper of funds between, parties buying and selling land. So, you know, that, that's kind of a backstory, but certainly with respect to FinTrack, it doesn't have a role to play because, uh, uh, you know, it got deemed illegal under by the Supreme Court of Canada. And for those listeners, the Cullen Report was the uh, report produced that was requested by the NDP on the money laundering in the BC casinos. Yeah, it was made under the BC Public Inquiry Act or, or something to that effect. And it was like two 2,000 pages of very, very detailed uh uh, you know, findings, summaries, conclusions, and recommendations on on how to address it. So, yeah, there's a big, big chunk of uh, lawyers and notaries uh, mentioned in there. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about how reporting bodies have to disclose these things, and and um, they're the ones that have to 
to file here. What type of information are they having to disclose for the registry? So reporting bodies, if they, if they are required to file, they have to file about, they have to file all interest holders of the reporting body. And so interest holders is a defined term under the Landowner Transparency Act. Basically, the most common ones are if you own 10% or more of the voting shares or the um, total shares of a company, uh, either indirectly or directly, you got to get put on as a reporting body. So there's also some grouping rules on, you know, if you have the right to appoint a majority of directors, uh, whether you hold that pursuant to a shareholders agreement. Um, It's honestly a little bit of a complex filing. Like most people just think, oh, hey, can you file this thing? It's just us, blah, blah, blah. But the actual legwork behind it, and I know this because I'm the guy that's responsible, (laughs) that's getting all the filings of Redpoint right now. Uh, So like, you know, many times I will draw out the map uh, of, of, how many shares, who are they issued to, are these shares voting, are they not voting? If it goes to family trusts that are holding shares, it gets even more complex. I got to look at, you know, the beneficiaries of the family trust. And um, so it is a complex filing. Many people are kind of frustrated having to pony up a couple hundred dollars and, you know, pay for this filing. But um, as I said, as I mentioned before, the offenses for filing a incorrect uh, transparency reports are, you know, for corporations, it could be up to 50 grand uh, or 15% of the assessed value. So it's important that I get this information right. Uh, you know, um, it's not um, it's not a filing you want to take lightly, that's for sure. So someone's sitting there, they own a bunch of strata lots and they were all purchased before 2019 and they're panicking after hearing this podcast what are they doing? Just asking for a friend. Is there a lawyer reaching out to them saying, hey, don't worry, I got you covered? Or is it dependent on these individuals contacting their lawyer or a notary and saying, hey, I own this, help me? Um, so it's a couple um, avenues. So very recently, I'm pretty sure all corporations, I'm not totally sure though, because I, like, I didn't talk to who's send sending these letters out. But if, you, if your corporation owns land, many clients of mine have started getting a letter in the mail that says, hey, you know, uh, you could potentially be a reporting body, you have to file and basically it goes through and it lists out kind of what an interest holder is. And um, so that's one source of as the government has been sending out letters to this effect recently. I know at Redpoint, I think sometime last year, maybe a couple months before November 30th, 2021, we put together a letter and we had sent it out to a bunch of our clients, just, you know, preemptively reminding them of this. I know there's a lot of accountants that are sending this out right now to their clients. So, you know, there's there's some there's different kind of actors that are trying to get people on board with this, accountants, lawyers, the government. But um, generally, that's about it. You're uh, I haven't seen a big press release or, you know, it's not on the news. Um, but, you know, people should know about this because it's, you know, the deadlines, like I say, it's almost just a month away now. So Scott, kind of as a final question here before we let you go, and we appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day to kind of break this down for us. What's a piece of advice you can sort of tell someone that, you know, right now they're sitting there, they're in the situation, they don't know if they should file, they're not sure what to do. Is there somewhere like a website they can go figure this out? Should they be contacting a lawyer? What is a piece of advice someone should do in that situation? Yeah, they definitely need to contact a lawyer or notary. So, you know, many people have either a lawyer or notary, like maintain their um, company book. 
So they could contact them and it's easy that way because that same lawyer notary will have all the, you know, it'll have the central securities register. It'll have the articles. It'll be able to tell what shares voting or not. That's probably the easiest place to start, but yeah, they definitely need to contact someone because there's many people that have their, their own books. They keep them at home and that, that creates kind of a problem sometimes too, because it's, you know, not every client knows how to properly keep, uh, you know, a minute book to so make sure all the shares are up to date and they got all the, you know, I have some clients that made their own companies and they never even made an article, uh, articles or issued shares. So that becomes kind of a pain uh, to get the right information out. But yeah, they got, they got to start um, contacting either a lawyer or notary. So Scott, I know you. I know you probably got piles and piles of work sitting on your desk right now. But before we let you go, we've got this little thing called the Six Pack, which is you know proudly sponsored by Redpoint Law. So we, you can't tell us you can't take it. So you got to hang out. This is for two more minutes. How's that sound? All right, fair enough. The Six Pack is powered by our good friends over at Redpoint Law. Redpoint Law, Corey, Tim Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right, let's start it off. What's your favorite vacation spot? Oh, pretty much anywhere near like a lake. That's what I would say. Okay, good answer. I'll, we'll take that. Yeah. You, even in this type of weather right now, do you still want to be on a lakefront or is this, are you going no, to Mexico? No, today? it has to be warm. It has to be like to be swimmable. Warm. Okay, okay, that's fair. So unfortunately, Scott, you find yourself on death row. You're given one more meal before it's time to hang them up for, forever. What meal are you having? Oh geez, um, hmm, probably like a nice sixteen-ounce like prime rib steak or something like that. Oh, that sounds good. Now, is there Mashed any particular potatoes. restaurant you're you're getting this from? Um, maybe somewhere like Highs downtown. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's for on a lawyer's income. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question: What's one book you recommend our listeners read? Oh, this is going to be super cliche. We're probably Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, love it. Oh, it's a good book. It's a good cool. book. What, uh, what are you currently binge watching on Netflix or Amazon? Um, my wife and I, we just finished watching uh, Stranger Things a while ago. How was it? I can't get into it. I tried. I can't. Yeah, I was the same. It took a while. It took a while. Okay. Like, you got to get else. used to the fact that there's these kids doing outstanding things. <laughs> and you're like, where are their parents? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they out past 10? All right. <laughs> exactly. Next question. What's something you bought for under $1,500 that's changed your life? Oh, changed my life, eh? You can, you can say subscribing to this podcast because that's free. So you can throw that in there if that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, changed my life. That's a really high bar. Well, that's had a positive impact a positive on your impact. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a positive way. Changed your life, you know, just incrementally. Um, this is, okay, I got one. So okay. in my uh, car, so I drive a Model Y Tesla. I bought this item that allows me to move and pivot my central screen up and down. So like, for example, it, like it's at an angle and it faces me while I drive. Okay. 
But that's that's way over my head. I have a gas guzzling car. I don't yeah. have a Tesla. So, so, so here, 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 if you're in a Tesla, the screen just like faces yeah. straight, like almost like a center line down to the back seat. But right. mine pivots towards and be kind of like a cop car. Right. So, so because you're a Tesla guy, is it a good or bad thing that Elon Musk is now in control of Twitter? Oh, I think terrible. I think he should be building cars and blasting things into space. Stay in your lane. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Scott, last question. So you're sitting up front of this lake, warm water that you can swim in. You've had a couple beverages. You're feeling good about yourself. Someone punks a, a karaoke microphone in your face. What song are you singing or rapping? <laughs> Ooh. I say rapping because for all those who haven't heard Scott on the podcast, we had him on here a year, year and a half ago now. And if I remember correctly, your favorite band was Mob Deep, was it not? Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. Like, like, um, a, like a 90s hardcore rap group. Yeah, I would go with probably Shook Ones Part 2 by Mob Deep. Shook Ones Part 2 by Mob Deep. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on, on that, Scott? Because that sounds like a, that's a mouthful there. Uh, you'll have to go listen to it. it oh. It's actually, so in uh, 8 Mile, the movie, uh, yeah. Eminem's final uh, rap battle, the, the instrumental is that song. Oh. So you're quite the rapper. Yeah, you're passionate about this. <laughs> yes, I am. All right. All right. Scott, so before we let you go there, can you let everyone know uh, what more that uh, how they can contact you and how they can find out more what you're doing over at Red Point Law? Yeah, sure. So um, whether you need your report filed or whether you just need any kind of assistance with property, commercial, residential, we do it all. You can find us at redpointlaw.ca. All my contact info is up there, my direct line, my email. So yeah, I'm happy to happy to assist if anyone uh, needs help with real estate. I'm sure it's going to come in good because I'm sure a lot of listeners here are just having a panic attack after this, not having no idea what they have to do in the next 30 days. And when you talk yeah, about those be. fines being those sizes, I'm sure you're going to get lots of phone calls. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that like last year when the deadline was extended, I reached out to them and said, Hey, do you want, uh, you know, want me to keep doing the filing or you want to wait to next year? And there's a lot of people that are like intentionally waiting to this last month, whether it's to save money or just to not think about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be flooded in the next couple of weeks, I think. Well, You're so, not going so on it, your lake vacation anytime soon. So if we date stamp this, we record these on Friday. So we're October 28th. So you're saying if we were to call you Tuesday of next week, you wouldn't be answering your call when you're going to get flooded with all these transparency reports. Could be, could very well be. All right, Scott. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and then sort of shedding a lot of light on that. We really appreciate it as always. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you guys later. All right. Take care, Scott. Bye, Bye-bye. Scott. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Scott McKinnis, partner at Red Point Law, all about the trans the Landowners Transparency Act. And I'm sure heart rates are probably through the roof right now. Everyone's scared. They're probably calling Scott, figuring out what to do. I learned a lot from that episode. Super informative. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, but I think too, like, you know, maybe people are a little scared, but I think that made it a little bit less intimidating knowing that, you know, it's just, it's in his hands. Yep. Yep. And so, so the takeaway from that episode is if you are a landowner, you bought something before 2020 and you're either in commercial real estate or residential real estate and you represent a reporting body, you got to go report this stuff. So make sure that you get a hold of your notary or your lawyer if you're in that situation because we don't want to see anyone get stuck. And last year, the government, they pushed it out a year because they realized that there was no way this was getting done in time, that nothing from, that I'm aware of has extended this deadline right now. So we'll see what uh, what's going on. Yeah. 
All right, guys. So if people want to buy and sell commercial real estate and they need to get a hold of us, they can reach us at williamwright.ca. They can call our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255, or they can drop me an email, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always love hearing about the show and talking real estate anytime. And uh, I think that's all we got for today. That's all we got. All right, guys. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week with a great episode. Take care. All right. Subscribe today. 